I mean, it's been maybe a month and a half and I'm already in the position where I'm thinking, how have I not been doing this for years? Like, I, you know, like why, why was this a new idea? Um, but it just shows you how different collectors influence you. This is Rough Cuts, a conversation among friends about the vintage sports card hobby. I'm Jonathan, Sports Cards and Sunsets, here with my collector buddies Matthew, 1956 Topps guy, and Nate in Cardboard Veritas, as well as everyone joining us on the Instagram live chat this evening, September 30th, 2023. Good to see you. All right, you too. Hey, how's it going? Hey, pretty good, man. How are you doing tonight, Matthew? Everything good? Yeah, everything is super good, man. I'm excited to nerd it up big time. <laughs> How about you? How are you doing, Nate? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Um, we had a birthday party for my niece tonight, so we're just getting back a little bit ago from that. Went out for some Mexi- Mexican food and little fiesta, so it was good. Oh, nice. Mookie Chilson, what's up, dude? How's it going, man? How about you, Jonathan? You said that... Uh, you were just trying to scurry some people out of your house so you could uh, get famous on Instagram. That's, that's right. Yeah. And uh, it's just our, our good friends and neighbors and the, ki- the kids have friends over. So I'm, you know, trying to tell them all to let, let me go do my thing. What's up, Marty? Signed 1933 Gaudi. What's up, dude? Getting lots of fun buddies in here. It's going to be it's going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, Mookie. Hey, what's up, Mookie? Mookie always has the best comments. Like if you go to, um, you know, you various like YouTube lives and stuff, Mookie always has really good comments. He's such a cool guy. That's a good handle too. Yeah. That yeah. Right. <laughs> we get rolling. I think you were going to maybe say a couple things at the outset, Matthew. Yeah. 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 So um, let's see. So we're three weeks since our last vintage IG live. So right now we've been, this is, if you can call it a cadence doing it twice, we're at a three week cadence. I don't know if we want to, you know, be interested to to think if we want to um, go to every two weeks. I think I might might be up for it. Um, but uh, we got some really good feedback after the last one that we did, and so we're going to try to um, use that feedback this time to maybe tighten up the ship a little bit. But I think we still want to keep like a a pretty chill vibe. I guess maybe I, I'd speak for myself. I probably think that that Nate would also agree is that you know the kind of vibe that we're going for here is maybe one that's a little bit like the the crossover, right? Where it's a little bit more of a, a hangout, a little bit, you know, quite interactive with the with the chat. And I think, you know, that's something that that we definitely want to do. Um, but of course, unlike those guys who tend to take a little bit of a crap on vintage now and then, <laughs> uh, you know, we're we're kind of we're we're vintage focused here. And um, you know, I'm really happy to have everybody join us. So what I thought I'd do is um, maybe intro what what we're going to be talking about today a little bit in terms of an, an outline. So, you know, so we're Saturday, uh, September 30th, and and we're nerds. And you can tell that we're nerds because we're spending our Saturday night on Instagram Live talking about baseball cards. And tonight we're basically planning to do kind of start off with a little bit of a vintage highlight. Each one of us is probably going to share a cool vintage card that either we got recently or one that we've been thinking about. Uh, then we were going to go into a little bit of um, what we call hobby highlights, kind of our experiences over the last three weeks, you know, um, what's been positive, you know, what's been fun about it the last three weeks, and then followed up with a little bit of the hobby low light. And that's less of like a us, I think, trying to retread the news that everybody wants to talk about and 
instead like face a little bit of the reality that you know there are parts of this hobby that are really fun and part of it that you got to kind of figure out how to deal with and i think for new collectors it's really good to try to you know talk about that stuff explicitly all right great question venezuelan league stickers will this be recorded and reposted somewhere so currently what we're doing is uh, sharing them over Instagram, but we've been thinking of like, if you go to like Nate or my, or now Jonathan's Instagram page, you'll be able to like see this video, this reel. Um, but we've been thinking about maybe going to some other format where it's like, um, you know, distributed via podcast. So that's something I would really love to get feedback on from, from folks in the chat, or, you know, if you want to send us a message, cause like, I mean, we don't know what we're doing. We're just trying to have fun, share our passion for the hobby. And if, you know, it's not like we're trying to get famous here, but if there are better ways for people to consume it, I'm I'm all about hearing about that. So great question. Thanks for asking it, Chris. Um, so after a hobby lowlights, we are going to go into a little bit of modern highlights because we also we also collect modern cards, all of us. Yeah, make your millions on YouTube. Exactly. Um so after our kind of modern highlight section, we're going to go into a little bit of a random topic, um, a little bit of an open forum. I think each of us might have some kind of random thing that that we're thinking about that may want to get some people's feedback on. And then lastly, I think we want to kind of highlight some of the recent auctions that are either uh, just closing. I think one of them might be even closing tonight. Um, and I know that that Jonathan and, and Nate are really experts in that area. I don't consider myself an expert, so I'm really curious to hear hear what they say. So that was kind of what I wanted to lead with. Anything you want to add, Jonathan or Nate? The, the one additional thing I'd say, Matthew, is it's been really fun in the past, and it looks like we have a great group with us, Nate. You know, whenever folks have comments or questions or anything, please feel free to, to shoot them out in the chat because, you know, I think it's a lot more fun when when there's an interactive element. So, um, yeah, Venezuelan League stickers. I see TJ is online, is in. Good to see you guys. And yeah, it looks like a, a great group. So please, by all means, you know, if we see a question, we'll we'll certainly love to have an opportunity to answer it. I'm just glad uh, to have an opportunity to be here. I, I hope to be a regular on this. I really enjoyed being in the audience uh, for, for a couple of them and uh, ready to dive in. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, yeah, maybe we can start off with some, some vintage highlights. You know, we want to see some cards. We've got try my cards asking for some recent mail days i think we can accommodate that request so who wants to lead off nate do you want to lead yeah. us off yeah sure i will yeah get my card set up here it's um it's kind of a mail day depending on how you count mail days i, I think <laughs> jonathan and i in particular would count it as one but <laughs> i got it from uh from the pwcc vault yesterday i did a little bit of a um a mail day there and so i've got this one in hand here for the for the first time and it is the sophomore hank aaron issue um the, the 55 tops uh so you know this is a card that um that i just i just love aesthetically i you know i i really like collecting hank aaron and i love his rookie card and several of his others but for my money this is his best looking card I think the colors, you know, just the way they play off of each other is almost perfect to my eye. Um, you know, with with the uh, red banner at the bottom and the yellow background and the way they kind of interact with the logo in the top left and then his uniform and everything. It just just kind of perfect color symbiosis for, for me. So 
I love that. And then a great young portrait of Aaron. So this is a card I've, I've really wanted to have a nice copy of and um, finally picked this one up a few months ago. Finally got it in hand yesterday. Um, I had a 2.5 uh, PSA 2.5 of this card for a couple of years and just wasn't quite doing it for me compared to my level of appreciation for the card. So um, decided to to do an upgrade. I, I know a lot of times we like to do kind of the downgrade upgrade, but I actually did the upgrade upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we I know we all really enjoy card backs as well. I thought one thing was kind of cool here, which is in his, you know, it talks mostly about actually his um, final minor league season before joining the Braves, even though he had had a year with the Braves here. Um, fairly modest rookie year. You know, he hit 280 with 13 homers and 69 ribbies and 468 at-bats. So certainly those numbers picked up as he kept going. But the little cartoon that we have over here is true or false. No one has ever hit a homer over the roof of the Yankee Stadium. And I thought the was was interesting on an early Aaron card. It says true, not even Babe Ruth. So, <laughs> <laughs> little bit of uh, for, foreshadowing there of something yeah. going to be pretty prominent in in Hank's story. Um, so card I love, really really happy to have it in hand, and uh, it was fun to to open it up in a kind of mini PWCC mail day yesterday. Man, it's a gorgeous card. I you know that I love the delayed gratification of. Picking out the card you want, you send it in, you, they slap a sticker on the back, and then, you know, you have to wait a while to get it in hand. But, you know, I, I also remember when you uh, posted that card for Matthew and I and some of our other buddies, and we were all talking about, like, is this the right one for you? And we all said, yeah, go for it. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it looks it looks amazing. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, one thing I've always loved about this card, and I, I don't have one, but I really, I mean, I'm so tempted to do the full Aaron run. It's just so tempting because he's just such an amazing figure and his cards are really cool. And this is one of his coolest cards. Yeah. One of the things that, that always strikes me is the action image of him has so much like contouring of his jersey that it, it looks like it just, it just hops off of the page to me. It like really looks like, almost like a 3d because there's so much like contouring and shading i just think it's like it just looks so cool right it's like classic illustration of the era yeah that's a great call yep yeah you can really really see it there the detail the the artwork in these cards is from from this era is just so phenomenal and yeah th this one's no exception for sure how about you guys um okay i'll i'll go um, and by the way, I've seen a bunch of other buddies jumping in the chat. I saw Adam Strick, Titty Subs, a bunch of other guys. Um, thanks for joining. So I've been in what we now call chill mode, uh, which ever since the National, where I spent a lot of money, I have not been buying a lot of expensive cards. So I'm going to actually um, highlight a couple cards. And these are real bangers. So I, I guess I wanted to start with the bang uh, the first time being on this. Um, and, and Nate and Matthew, you guys know the story, but um, my daughter, Lucia, and I were working on a video this week that uh, involves my uh, 52 Tops Mantle and my 52 Tops Jackie Robinson. These are probably two of my top five cards, if not my two best cards. Um, I I uh, came into the Mantle a couple of years ago at a Huggins and Scott auction. And this was the big card, the, the Jackie that I bought last December from an REA auction. And what Lucia noticed this week 
is that the serial numbers, and I'm not going to go too too close on them, but the serial numbers are 10 off. And um, it just blew me away. And I, I've been totally enjoying these cards ever since then. Um, you know, and I, from time to time, I get them out and I and I, I put them on the on the display shelf. I just, you know, love the portraits. I love that it's 311 and 312. You know, they were right next to each other on the sheet. And sometimes I like to imagine that these two are on the, the same sheet. But the fact that the serial numbers are 10 apart means these were part of the same collection. Uh, somebody submitted them together. You know, perhaps they sent them in. To, well, it, they probably graded them themselves, but given that it was different auction houses. Uh, the grades came back. And then, you know, separated by almost two years, I, these were the, the two cards I picked out. And so, like you, like you said, Matthew, when I shared this with you, they were in one, uh, the same collection. They they you know separated uh, by thousands of miles, and now they're back in my collection. And I, and I and I intend to keep both of these for life. So um, just discovering that adds an additional layer of kind of the the history and appreciation and and mystique of these cards for me. And, and of course, you know they're some of the greatest cards to me ever made. That is so awesome, dude. I mean, one thing, the first thing I thought actually when you told me that was that um, two things. Number one, whoever had those cards originally had some serious eye appeal chops, right? You could really see some high quality cards from from yeah. looking at them. The second thing I thought about was that, okay, this is just proof that that Jonathan doesn't really look at the labels. He's really <laughs> like so focused on the card yeah. that he doesn't even see the serial number. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's so true. I mean, I, I couldn't even have told you um, after I acquired them how recent the slabs were. I mean, I was just so focused on the cards. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very cool um, little piece of serendipity there. That is really cool. It it makes my thought is, man, I, I wish the cards could tell us their story. You know, like I, yeah. I wonder, like, how long were they together? Like, they were probably together raw in a collection, right? And as you said, like someone had a great eye to, to yeah. put those two cards there. And how, how long were they there and who had them? And, totally. you know, I, I wish we could know that we, we know a piece now, uh, an additional piece, thanks to your daughter uh, noticing that on, on the label, which is really cool. But it makes me want to know even more. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Okay. What's up, JT? Uh, July Tango Whiskey. Good to see you. All right. So you guys good if I uh, share my card now? Yeah, let's cool. see it. Yeah. What's up, Adam? So this is actually a JT special that I'm going to show here. So um, the card I'm sharing is the uh, 1935 Diamond Stars Hank Greenberg. So um, July Tango Whiskey JT, he, um, we had like a long discussion in our in our group chat about like what what's Greenberg's best card, and for I was pretty honed in on the 1934 Gaudi, which is I guess considered his rookie card, and so. I was really kind of focused in on that. And he was like, you know what? You should really consider the Diamond Stars. And and that really struck with me because I hadn't really, I had on my radar wanted to get a Diamond Stars card, particularly I wanted the Kai Kai Kyler for my Cubs run. And I just never really pulled the trigger, but I just love the color from this set. It just looks so cool. And it's um, it's like so reminiscent of the era, right? You can see like, you can see the player, obviously, but then you've got kind of like the kind of the stadium stuff going around him. So it's just a really cool card. And I was seriously searching for an example of this card for, I don't know, at least eight months. And, um, you know, so I'm at the National 
And and honestly, like I had gotten some cool cards at the National, but they were all ones that I bought before I got there. And I eventually found my way to kind of a Hank Aaron upgrade. And then I, I turned around and there was like a modern basketball collector at his table. And I looked at his table just randomly and he had like a couple old vintage cards. And I'm like, what is this guy doing? So I, I asked him, you know, I saw this card right away because it just looks so nice for the grade. And I asked him, you know, what, what can you tell me about this card? And he told me that his father-in-law or sorry, his grandfather-in-law gave them to him all of the kind of a book of vintage cards. And um, this guy had collected these cards back in the day and then he had put them into the pages of a book to keep them to keep them in good shape over the years. And then, you know, he was like, I'm not really, you know, into these cards anymore. So he just um, he just gave them to this to this guy because he knew that he collected cards. And so then this guy, of course, gets them graded. He brings them to the national. And I was like that, you know. What do I have to do to get this card? Right, I was so wanted an example of this card so bad, and it was it just kind of like proved to me that like just diffusing around the national and randomly bumping into stuff is like the best way to to, to go about enjoying the national. And I was just so happy to get this card. Yeah, that's such a great example. I, um, a, a couple things there. First, I, I was I was so happy too when you found that card. Um, so I, I've felt like you said you had picked up some really nice cards there, but they had, were kind of pre-existing things. And a couple of days in, I was feeling like I really wanted you to find something that you were really happy with. And you came over and gave me this card and I was like, oh, man, there it is. I mean, that thing is just so perfect for your collection. And then the nice thing, too, is, um, you know, when you find a, a beautiful card like that at a mostly modern table, you don't always have to pay the full eye appeal pre. And if I recall correctly, you got a fairly good buy on that one. And that 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 can, you know, it's it's nice to find a good looking vintage card at a modern table. It was definitely you're totally right, Nate. I was like, I basically had to do the like keep it cool kind of like <laughs> mentality, right? Because I I was like, holy, you know, I really was excited to get this card. And so then I'm like, I gotta keep it cool, try to negotiate this down. And I got I got a really good price on it. And I was just elated right because i think that he was certainly someone that wasn't like that aware of of kind of the eye appeal movement within vintage and i just wanted this card for so long i just i i, I couldn't like wait to like hand over all of my money <laughs> to get the card but i was trying to keep it cool but yeah that was that's right Nate. it was very exciting that was super fun and you we had hung out with you for several days at the national and you you were having a blast but you weren't much of a buyer and yeah i think nate and i both were like really hoping that you found something that you couldn't wait to pull out all you know a stack of hundreds and uh and and walk away with and uh that's a great one uh yeah, yeah. thanks jonathan thank you jonathan ho- hobby highlights recently yeah. just want to kick us yeah, it's a it's a weird one to call a, a highlight, but um, you know, the to me the biggest thing that happened in the hobby this week was the passing of Brooks Robinson, and um, and and for me, uh, you know, I I experienced the news and went through it, and frankly, uh, as a collector, and when I really got back into collecting several years ago as an adult, um, one of the avenues in was really reading some oral histories about baseball. And, you know, especially, you know, in the, the 50s and 60s, um, it, it was a smaller sport, you know, there, where the, the players and the teams really knew each other well and some just 
really legendary guys. And Brooks Robinson, when I learned about that era of baseball, was one of the was one of the personalities that just jumped out at, to me. And I and I kind of made a conscientious decision to be a Brooks collector. Um, and you know, when I when I heard of his past, and if you know, if you look up some of the greats of the game who are Hall of Famers, who are still with us, you know, and this, a sad reality is it's inevitable that at some point in time, we all remember when Hank Aaron passed away. Um, but it's been so cool for me to just watch um, a guy like Brooks Robinson, an amazing ambassador of the game, the human vacuum cleaner, you know, some some consider him, I do, the greatest um, defensive third baseman of all time. And it was just, it's been so, um, so cool to see so many people sharing stories about him, sharing videos of him, sharing their cards. Um, you know, I, I wanted to just share, you know, this is my, my Brooks rookie in his second year card, which, which I love. Um, and you know, if I'm being honest, when I first bought the rookie, I remember thinking this might be a good investment. And if he passes away some, someday, maybe the prices will go up and I'll sell it in it. And I guess I've matured as a collector since then, because when I got the news, I thought to myself, the last thing I'm ever going to do is sell that card. You know, I'm just like, I'm just so grateful to have the card. Um, and it's been fun for me to just sort of be able to process and um, and appreciate uh, just, you know, another deep dive on Brooks. So I think it's been it's been really neat in the in the baseball world and the collecting world to see the way there's just been an outpouring of appreciation for, you know, Mr. Oriole. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, he had such a big impact on the hobby because he was such um, like an endearing person to the fans. Like he always put the fans um, at a pretty high like priority. And I remember when I came back to collecting and learning a little bit about like through the mail autographs and and he was a big through the mail yeah. signer, which is kind of shocking given the quality of player that he is. And I think that says a lot about him as a person and his appreciation for the fans. And so, yeah, I agree with you. It was very um, heartwarming to see, you know, the outpouring of, of appreciation for him as a player and, and as a man. And uh, yeah, he's definitely a, a really special guy. And and that second year card is just a wacky looking card of him. I know. I, I always loved it because it looks so old fashioned. If you look at the, the the outfit he's wearing, it sort of looks like a baseball uniform from the 1920s. Um, and he's obviously making a funny face that we've joked about. But I still I love the card. Uh, that's his 1958 tops. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I'm so glad that you brought that up tonight and he, he's not someone that i've really collected but i've i've really enjoyed seeing the the outpouring um this week and you know it's just it's a cool example and you highlighted it beautifully about how you know collecting brings us so much closer to these players and adds a whole you know different dimension to them and and their achievements and um you know b brings us kind of feeling like we're sort of part of the game and part of the history of the game and stuff so it's a just a great um, description that, that you gave of how it impacted you. Thanks. Yeah. Matthew, how about you? Yeah. So um, my hobby highlight, I feel like my hobby highlight is always like a community driven thing. Um, and just how, you know, the combination of like appreciating these cards with like social media and being able to kind of share in that appreciation with people makes the hobby like a 
for me a really that makes it even cooler than it than it than it was before and like the thing that that was i think just super fun this time was um my good buddy david spinrad who goes by uh the rated rabbi on on instagram he has one of the best podcasts um out there for sure it's just like this insane deep dive <laughs> into ni- the 1984 all-star game with just like it's just insane so you should check that out but he had been searching for so long to try to find a 1952 tops willie mays just the longest time and and he he was taking that really um that approach that i think all of us can really um empathize with is like you know he wanted the really great eye appeal example and he didn't want to pay out the nose for it and so you know he was just you know every example and it was like it was really i think at some points he kind of had his journey was kind of like up and down like he you know got a little bit demotivated by just how hard it was and um anyway i think like uh, a few weeks back he ended up getting um a psa2 uh 1952 tops maze from a pwcc auction i think it was a pwcce if i remember right and it was it was a stunner it was an amazing card he got a really great price on it and i feel like you know if being in this community if you need to you get so much value out of seeing your buddies land the cards that they're just you know die you know they're just striving for and you know you're spending all this time with them trying to you know analyze the eye appeal of this example versus that example and talking about what's a reasonable price and to see that kind of come to fruition and they're really nice example especially for someone who cares so much about the card like that uh, I love that. I, I, it was like as exciting as, you know, me getting the card myself, seeing him him with it and talking about it on his podcast. And I love that kind of stuff. I love, you know, you know, we do it all the time with each other, trying to help help us kind of, you know, find the examples that we're searching for. And um, seeing him land that card was so money. It was just, I loved I, it. It was great. I remember when he posted it. I remember the day and I was blown away. It's so, so nice. And yeah, your your story really rings true. I've always said I I think the the, the collecting community is really a, a generous group of people, and you know part of that generosity to me is just enjoying other people's successes almost you know almost even more than yours. I I can I can think of moments when you guys landed some cards. The, the night Nate landed his uh, uh his Satch rookie, for example. I mean, we were all just you know. Head head over heels, uh, so, but yeah, that that fifty two tops uh, maze is such a hard one to find with really nice surface and color and centering, and yeah, rated rabbi as as a beauty. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, people that don't collect like us wonder, like, all right, I look at the fifty two tops maze and I see that the PSA population is twenty five hundred, and it's like, what do you mean it took him three years to find the right, the you know, to yeah. find one? Like, everywhere but no they're not like it's so hard to find the right one and i had several conversations with them about it as well and i'll share in the enthusiasm there certainly and you guys you guys make great points about the community um what what are we looking at there matthew so this is this is a gift that david gave me at the national so this is when you went to the 1984 all-star game they gave you one of these this is the swag you got this like um this little pin 
Um, and then, you know, with a little bit of a description of what it is. And like, I felt like when he gave this to me, I felt like so honored to be given one of these, uh, these 1984 all-star game pins. And so whenever I see this, it makes me think of him, makes me think of, you know, the 1952 tops maze. And, um, it's just really cool. Like that, that kind of stuff, like, I don't know, man, it makes the hobby so much fun and just, um, yeah. So that, that really made me feel good. Certainly. And I love the point that you just made, Nate, about like, yeah, whatever. There's like 4,000 of these these cards around, but the, the, how many of those are the right one for you? That's a completely different ball game. And all of us who like live in this, this live and breathe these vintage cards know, you know, how much work it takes to find that right one. Yeah, that's right. They're They're all different. You know, every one of them in the pop is unique. And for each of us, you know, especially if it's a card that's really significant to us, it's a very narrow sliver of that population that can be, you know, f- fall into that category of being the right one for us. So, um, yep. yeah. So for me over the, the last, uh, few weeks or so, it's been, um, kind of, uh, realization about how much fun I've been having while I've been in what Jonathan, you described as, as chill mode, which I think at least a few of us have been in lately yeah. after, um, you know, so I'm I'm kind of in a period here, or you know, in, in the midst of a few month period where I'm trying to kind of rein in the spending, and you know, as we head into the end of the year, trying to make sure I comply with the budget that I set out for myself for this year for buying, and um, with some um, fairly recent bigger pickups for me, you know, gotten into a spot here where I just need to to chill for a bit on the yeah. buying, and and it's been fun doing it. You know, like when when we're in buying mode, that's super fun, and that can really energize us with our collecting, but, um, you know, not really buying anything now for, for, uh, I don't know, little over a month and just not like, not even watching anything that closely, not coming close, not bidding on anything. Um, it's, um, you know, it's, I find myself still having just as much fun, you know, I was kind of wondering like, will I sort of take a step back a little bit during this period, but, you know, between the community that we're talking about on here and how fun it is just, you know, the day-to-day interactions. And then, you know, like I just, I did a post today of um, my 1915 Cracker Jack brand tricky and just, you know, like all the great feedback getting from, from that, including from you guys, you know, it's just, it's just so fun. And then, you know, the, the um, content that we're, we're able to, to absorb and consume from so many great people, you know, I think, some of my favorites that I listen to all the time are um, a sports card therapist, uh, Jeremy Lee with his sports cards live and uh, and the guys on crossover. I listened to crossover last night and it's, um, you know, you, Matthew, I think made the analogy in terms of what we're trying to go for here, which is, you know, hanging out and talking cards and man, those guys just do it so well. Chris, Chris HOJ, when I hear him talk about the hobby, even though they collect really different stuff, he's that guy is just so insightful. You know, he was, talking about they talk about the news of the day and everything and i just i just feel he hits on that stuff so so impressively so um you know and then i've been doing a little bit of selling as well and you know that's that can be a lot of fun too you know when you make a good sale it can be just as gratifying as making a good buy largely for me because i know it's going to set up more buying (laughs) you know it's not that i'm (laughs) happy to part with the card but i'm happy to keep my collection moving in the direction that i move so um, and then, you know, the other thing is, um, kind of, you know, around my areas at home where I have cards kind of, you know, constantly changing around the displays and, 
you know, putting new cards out, making sure I'm enjoying stuff. You know, I've had a, a good opportunity to do that over the last little bit. Um, so, you know, through all these different channels, I, I'm having just as much fun or, you know, some weeks even more fun than if I was buying a lot of stuff. So it's been cool for me to see and and be able to appreciate like some of this other stuff without almost what I might say is the distraction of buying. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think I, I agree. I think it's just, it's super healthy, right. To take a step back from the grind of, of kind of the acquisition side of it and try to, you know, we talk this about this a lot is the, you know, how do you, how do you spend time just enjoying what you've got? Right. And, and I think that that's a great idea of like just rearranging what you're looking at, you know, yeah. just like fresh stuff. And, and then it's like, Oh crap. You know, I really, is this my card, right? That's what you want. That's the feeling that you want is like, Oh man, I forgot about how awesome this is. Right. Yeah. So how about in terms of anything that's, uh, been on, on the other end of the spectrum things the either of you guys ha- haven't enjoyed as much in the hobby over the last few weeks yeah maybe i'll i'll, I'll kick this one off so i feel like oh man it sucks that like i feel like every time we come there's been like some major drama <laughs> some major like hobby scandal kind of thing and it's just a, it's just a bummer but i feel like the thing that i you know i don't want to get into all of it, that stuff too much but when i when i hear it it kind of makes me it makes me think about one one thing, which is kind of like awareness in the hobby, right? That there is both like um, a, a lack of awareness sometimes of both about the bad stuff in the hobby and the things that, you know, us as more experienced hobbyists should be sharing with like new hobbyists just so that they know kind of what some of the pitfalls are, what are some of the community norms, what, you know, some things like this, just to like help them have a better experience. And I, I think that the same token, it's kind of like, you know, I feel like there's also a lack of awareness of the good stuff in the hobby because it, it's like that the good stuff doesn't necessarily like get a lot of visibility or clicks and like just the way that Instagram algorithm works and whatever, you know, there's all kinds of stupid stuff that you can point to. But, you know, I think I think I would I would really call on everybody to um, and I, I don't think I've been doing enough of this either is is to, you know, spend some time like sharing other people's cards in your stories, especially people that, that don't have that high of visibility account, but just like, you know, people that not only this card's cool, but the story behind why this card's cool. And just like sharing the passion, because I feel like those are the things that I want to elevate to someone who's a new hobbyist. You know, these are the things to be nervous about. This is the kind of scandals and stuff that goes down in the hobby, but then, okay. Also it's not all bad. Right. There's lots of really good people in the hobby who've got all kinds of passion and cool stories. And and that piece of it needs to be elevated. And so that's I mean, that was kind of my thought process. Every time I hear about one of these scandals is like, yes, like we need to talk about it so that everyone is aware of of what these pitfalls are. They're almost, you know, it's kind of almost like our funnel for new hobbyists isn't um, it isn't protected enough. It's not it's hard to be a new hobbyist and not get screwed. And most people just like learn by getting screwed, but it doesn't need to be that way. I mean, it is that way, but it doesn't need to be that way. And um, I feel like part of it is just like making sure that new hobbyists like just are aware of some of the people that are more than happy to share their time and their experience about the bad stuff to, to avoid and the cool stuff to point to. Yeah. 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 Well, well said, yeah. man. 
Yeah. And maybe I'll, I'll pick up on that one a little bit because I, I think my my thoughts were very kind of similar in terms of what I was going to think about. And Mookie Chilson has a, a good comment as well here, which is the bad slash controversial hobby stuff makes the safety and joy of vintage feel that much more special. And there there is some truth to that. We we do have some insulation on the vintage side to to some of this stuff. We're not totally insulated. There's, you know, the trimming thing that happened is i mean that happens on the modern stuff too but you know there there's some things that that touch vintage certainly but it does feel like um it, to me at least like there's a fair bit less of it than you experience in the modern and, and ultra modern side yeah but, yeah. Yeah. yeah and i guess the, the thing i would add there is that you know we're we're insulated in like the hobby experience that that for the most part that that we enjoy but like our the, our challenge is that like most of the people who who get to vintage you know they started off somewhere else yeah and and you you want to make sure that people have the opportunity to like mature as a collector and and find this stuff without getting screwed and that's where you know i do kind of sympathize with a lot of the things that like ethos pitch and and signed and set slab say is like you know, what, what can we do to like, just raise awareness to the new collectors so that they, they can find their way to enjoy the hobby without getting hosed. Right. Yeah. It's like, there should be like a playbook or a manual or a book of like, <laughs> all the pitfalls and stuff, you know, like there should be a lot more hobby books than there are, like, but that's, that's one of them. And I mean, so one of the things that, that would, if there was that, it would make me that, that could potentially help one of my challenges with the hobby sometimes is you know when one of these things happens i the thing that i often struggle with almost as much as what's actually happened is the extreme reaction to it and you know i think matthew you were hitting on some of this but it's just like it just feels like it and you know i'm not on different kinds of so i i only do instagram in terms of social media stuff and i know there's you know, can be on Twitter and Facebook and very get different experiences, different, you know, different um, chat forums and stuff. But um, but I feel like at least on Instagram, um, you just see like such an outpouring of like negative reaction to it. And it's like it just seems so disproportionate to me, like yet there was some show bidding. Right. And that's bad. We all know that's bad. But I just I don't know that we need. 20% of the accounts on Instagram telling us in all sorts of different ways, like every single way that it's bad and why. And then the oftentimes, and I'm, I'm more okay with it if it's kind of a balanced thing, but a lot of times people go really fatalistic. Like if this is our hobby can't survive this, like we're not going to have a hobby left in five years. If tops double print super fractors again, or someone chill, but you know, it's like, I can't be in a hobby where this exists. Like that, you know, I feel like it's an expectation one that like that it's good. The hobby's going to be perfect. And it's ignoring the 99.99% that's really good. You know, like we've all talked about many times, like our reaction, our interactions are by and large so positive. Right. And like this community is so great and what we get out of it is so great. And then to see that 0.01% occupy 80% of the time in so many accounts. It's like, I don't know, the disproportionate reaction is something that I struggle with. I know I have the choice. People would say, hey, just unfollow them. But 
I kind of don't want to do that because part of what bothers me about it is that it's out there. It's not that I'm seeing it and it's still out there if I unfollow it. So I kind of want to be aware of it. Um, but I don't know. Part of that, I I need to just get more comfortable that that's kind of how people react to things sometimes, too. So that that might just be partially my issue. But I don't know. I just, It feels the reactions a lot of times feel kind of imbalanced. Like, um, Adam, I don't know if Adam Real27 guy is still in here, but he did a great podcast about the shield bidding thing. And I thought, you know, hit on it in a really balanced way that was not at all fatalistic for the hobby and, you know, acknowledge that these things happen. And then Chris HOJ on on um, the crossover last night did, you know, just a great job. Like he always does hitting on it too. And drive, like he even introduced Kant's categorical imperative to try to drive home the point about why show bidding on your own cards is bad. It's like <laughs> you get super philosophical with it and stuff. So, um, you know, I guess it's just for me, maybe focusing on the reactions to it that feel a little more balanced to me. But that's that's part that I've been struggling with a little bit over the last few weeks. Uh, Matthew, I liked what I, I like where you started, because I really we all know any any place there's money to be made, there will be corruption to be found. And, you know, like there's there's a role for policing. But I, I like I like your point of view of really what we need to do. The those of us who are mature in the hobby is create safe harbors for helping new people out and educating people and spreading positivity. I, I think, you know, in, in some ways, the the best way to um, to get past it is is just to to try to have a lot of positive content and and helpful points of view to you know to to counterbalance all the negativity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's well said. I mean, I think about like like Nate's son, right? Like like he he has like a great you know person to kind of help guide him in the hobby and like you know make decisions that that kind of um, insulate him from a lot of risk, right? And then just talk about like talk through your experience. But it's just a lot of people don't have that, right? And like, what do they do? And like, they're just like they, they either like it's kind of their choices are like they either like themselves get screwed or a lot of what they hear is just like super negative and so it's it's either like someone's trying to sell you something someone is trying to like get your time so that they can then sell something or or make money right or they hear that people are like oh it's all you know it's awful so it's like it's just really tough man i it's hard for me to put myself in the shoes of someone that's kind of thinking about joining this hobby right it's it's just kind of yeah. it's, it's kind of mind-boggling mind-boggling that's a great point. Yeah, it's it it's a lot to learn and a lot to wade through and to do it without someone guiding you and holding your hand a little bit does feel like it would be quite a bit. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, you guys want to um move on from the the low lights? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. How about Nate? How about you kick us off with the the modern highlight? How about that? Yeah, that sounds good. Let's see some cards. Well, right. While Nate's while Nate's getting preparing to show it, I would I would love if people chime in the folks in the chat. Like, tell us where your cutoff is for modern, because I, um, we might see some differing points of view. Does this count? <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Nah. Nate. You're awesome. <laughs> I just had that one handy and had to. <laughs> um, I was I was pretty excited this week about the Dean Lillard trade, and um. You know, when when I'm showing modern cards, I'm not typically showing bangers because just don't kind of buy bangers on the modern side. But I um, 
I the it the trade this week of Lillard to the Bucks kind of unites um two of at least my three or four favorite guys in the NBA. Um so I'm really excited to see those guys play together and to see Lillard have an opportunity to play for a championship and um to see Giannis have someone of of Dame's caliber and just you know I feel like the NBA offseason is so fun in terms of creating intrigue for for the coming year um and this trade is uh is certainly doing that for me so I've had some cards of those two guys out this week um I uh in modern basketball the court kings set is one that I really gravitate toward and maybe has a little more of a vintage feel than a lot of modern cards do. It's a canvas-like surface. Um, so this one is from Giannis's rookie year in 13. Got it raw. It's numbered to, to 225, and I just think the a pretty neat-looking card of his. Um, and then I've got the <laughs> the double no-no here with Dame, which is the sticker auto and the napkin patch. So... Um, <laughs> But I'm owning it. I think it's a pretty cool looking card and it's a lot, you know, it, it fits my modern but So um I've got uh a few Dame cards and a few Giannis cards. They're they're a couple of the uh, modern hoops guys that I collect and I've been excited thinking about those. Those are sweet. Yeah, I, I like the Court Kings artwork too. And yeah, that team is gonna be a force to be reckoned with. They're they'll be fun to watch. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll share I'll share next on Modern. Um, and I'm glad two people chimed in. TJ is online, said 1979, and, and Mookie said 1985. So I'm sneaking in on um, both of those accounts. I, I consider it to be 1980. Um, some of these guys know. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see if we lose the whole audience here. But I'm going to show you a bunch of cards to put context around the mail day I had today. And it's a little one, but the very first packs that got me into collecting were Garbage Pail Kid. And this is, so I'm going to show you, this is Atom Bomb that I ripped as a kid. This, These are Atom Bombs that I ripped out of packs as a grown-up after law school. This is the mini Atom Bomb that I bought at the National. And this is the giant version of Atom Bomb that I bought at a local card store. Well, today, ladies and gentlemen, and this is because Zach's Vintage Cards taught me that there's actually international versions of these cards. Today, I got the Basuritas. This came out in 1986. Al Explosivo. This is like the Benny of Garbage Pail Kids. This is like the Venezuela. This this was distributed in Argentina. <laughs> and my wife was Argentinian. $40 card. Um, PSA's never graded one. And I, I sent them an email today to ask if they would. So um, I'm super excited to add to my extensive atom bomb collection. Love- let me ask you this, Jonathan. What do your kids think of GPK? My kids are into it. In fact, the way I first got them into card collecting is we would go through my binder, and this is from from my youth. I have the first five sets, and I would sit down with them when they were like five, six years old, and say, "All right, on every page, I want you guys to pick your favorite card and the most disgusting card." And we would go through and, and talk and argue about it, and that's how I got them into cards. That's awesome. Oh, man, the the chat is loving the the garbage pail. <laughs> We've got Oppenheimer conversations. It's great. First blush. It's a great comment. That's awesome, Jonathan. Very cool sub collection you got going there, man. <laughs> How about you, Matthew? All right, let's see what we got. So, all right, so uh, here's my here's my modern card. Um, 
see if we can get it in the picture here. So this is, I, I'm a, you know, I'm a huge Cubs nerd, <laughs> right? And um, I collect these, these dynasty cards. I don't know if I get, if it's in the book. Um, I collect these dynasty cards that are like, you know, autograph patch cards. Um, and, um, I, you know, I've, I mostly focus on the 2016 Cubs, but over the years, they've, they've also um, put some of the older Cubs players in there too. So I've got an Ernie Banks one from 2014. He died in 2015. So it's kind of the last time um, he could have, he could have participated. I've got like a Sandberg and a Dawson. And this recently they, they put Mark Grace. And then this year they had the first Fergie Jenkins. And, and um, I love these cards and I always buy the ones that have like, I don't really care. I don't really get the logo man thing. Cause like every Jersey has a logo man. So I want a Jersey that is like, I know when I'm looking at it, it was a Cubs Jersey. So here you can see the, the clear like Cubs colors. And um, I mean, I just also love Fergie Jenkins. He's so cool. Right. Um, we talked a little bit, I think before about like the black aces he's in there. One of the best pitchers of all time. Um, just a workhorse. Right. I think I saw today some crazy statistic that like, he won 280 games in his career and he completed 260. So just like, that's like insane. Right. And, um, all right. Yeah. We got, um, Marty said he played for the Arkansas travelers. Yeah. Very cool. I mean, he was also a Harlem Globetrotter. So this guy was like a, just a heck of an athlete. And, um, when I saw that he was in uh, dynasty this year, I'm like, Oh, I got to do everything I can to get, to get one of these cards. So I know that I overpaid for this one, but it was like Perky Jenkins with the patch that I wanted. So I had to go, I had to go all out to get this one. And I'm super excited about it. Nice, man. That's, That's a cool a modern card, man. I, I remember when we asked you to list the top 10, your top 10 Cubs of all time. And you had, you had Fergie really high up on the list deservingly so yeah that's that's a beauty man love it can poof can you change the angle a little so we can see it kind of refract yeah okay nice that patch is incredible i'm with you on the patch too over the logo yeah i i just i don't get i don't get what you know it's something that every jersey has i want one that i know is like a cubs jersey there we go that's a nice ceremony yeah yeah Fergie always signs his stuff really well. Yeah, there we go. TJ is online. My damn Phillies traded both Fergie and Ryan Zandberg to the Cubs. We didn't, I will say that the Cubs in general are not good traders, right? We got rid of Lou Brock. There's a bunch of examples of awesome players that we got rid of, but we did get Fergie and we did get Rhino from you guys. So thank you very much, Philadelphia. <laughs> nice. And yeah, we've had a few of our, our, uh, buddies join here in the last few minutes too. victory investments bleaker street cards and publius 13 what's up fellas yeah hey guys uh chris publius i hope you uh, stay on because i'm i'm about to um reference something that was inspired by you nice yeah, he always gives us a hard time when we show vintage cards in, in our <laughs> or we show modern cards yeah. in our vintage chat <laughs> we got to show that we're not totally disconnected from the modern that's right. yeah that's right <laughs> all right um so we move into some recent uh, kind of auction things that we've noted. Is that next? There, I I think I think before that you you were going to talk about just kind of like I don't know. There was a topic of like what are what are new ideas we have in collecting, and I I certainly one I want to share. Yeah yeah, yeah like, uh, can you go for it? Yeah, it's um you know while while being in this chill mode after after the national, a couple of my collecting buddies 
made me realize there was something I was kind of missing. And, and it was the joy of, well, ja so uh, Travis, Jackie's and, and Jordan's um, has this amazing raw binder that's very curated. And I kind of realized I was missing um, raw cards. And, um, and, then, and then Publius 13, Chris, who we hung out with at the National, he has a fascinating way of thinking about collecting as a this list. It has to be a list of a hundred, and if anything is added, something has to be taken away. And it's and I realized that these two things were going to lead me on kind of uh, this new chapter of collecting, which was building out a raw binder of where each page, you know, there's only eight or nine pockets in a binder, depending if it's the big pockets or the normal ones, and so it forces you to curate. It forces you to think about. What am I going to have be among those nine cards? And there's different themes you could have for every page. I've been working on different key sets and some other themes. Um, so, Chris, first of all, all, hanging out with you and making me think about this um, was really fun. For example, one the first page I put together was um, non-Hall of Fame rookies of the 1980s. Um, and it was, you know, there's there's so many good ones because, this, you know, the steroid era, like, you know, McGuire and Canseco um the bonds but um it was really fun to debate you know who the nine should be you know from the whole decade of the 80s and work on that page and and i'm also doing pages um that are different key sets i'll, I'll share one that you guys have seen this but um one of the pages i wanted for my binder is 1986 fleer um you know and just for me deciding like what are the nine cards i'm going to include you, there are dozens of cards that arguably should be on this page of nine i have Two that I'm still waiting on. I haven't found the right copies, but it's just you know you can buy some of these cards for um, for twenty bucks. Some of them raw might be one hundred and twenty bucks, but and I'm not going to have a Jordan on the page. But it's been it's been really fun, and it's allowed me to keep buying cards of lots of different types while I'm not spending four figures on anything, and have, is still having a lot of little mail days every week. Oh, I love that so much, Jonathan, because we, we talk a lot about how like. There's two ideas that I, I love that you're bringing forward. So one of them is is this concept of like constraints yeah. and like constraints driving like creativity and innovation, kind of really forcing you to make like these hard decisions. The other thing that I like is seeing all of the cards on a single page, because, you know, at least I think, you know, we, we've talked about this a lot, Nate and I and, and, and you and I, that, um, you know, what one thing that we love to do on Instagram is like make images that contain multiple cards and try to think about how do different cards like go together what makes sense either visually or historically or whatever and i think that what you're doing is like a perfect combination of those two things like highly constrained but then also that you know in a single kind of visual image you get all of these different cards and you need to think about what goes together what makes sense and there's so many different ways to play it and it has the plus on on it that it's it's relatively inexpensive. So that's like pure genius. I love that. I do too. I think this this is my favorite topic of the whole night. And I'm glad John let me accidentally skip over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I just I, I love this binder that you're doing. I think it's so cool. And you know, as you said, Travis it, and Chris both have doing done kind of similar things. But you're you're doing your own take on yeah. it and doing your own way and combining. I think combining different sports and different eras, and it's just going to be this binder that kind of like encapsulates in one spot who you are as a collector in a way where like you can go through it in a couple minutes and be like, wow, like, I mean, it's just going to be so fun to have that. And 
it's so fun to have it and even more fun to build it. Like it, it's just, it, um, it feels like, I mean, Matthew, I'll be surprised if you and I don't do it. It feels like something that like everybody needs yeah. to do, right? <laughs> like now that I'm, I, and I've just started it. I mean, it's been maybe a month and a half and I'm already in the position where I'm thinking, how have I not been doing this for years? Like, I, you know, like why, why was this a new idea? Um, but it just shows you how different collectors influence you. And it's been a lot of fun. By the way, a buddy of mine, Josh, uh, here from Utah, who um, sold me uh, an amazing collection of vintage a couple of years ago, joined. So I wanted to say hey to him as well. Uh, That's nice. so cool. So I've actually like, okay, this binder thing, I've got, I've got like one binder that I've got going and another one that I'm considering. So um, so I have a binder of, of a 1989 upper deck set that I'm like trying to build kind of card by card. And like, I don't know, this was maybe like six or seven years ago. I like bought some boxes and, you know, I'm going through it, like, you know, reliving the Griffey, you know, all of these awesome cards from that set. And then I'm like, what am I going to do with all these cards? And I'm like, I'm going old school, man. I'm going to build this monster binder. And so, you know, I, I think I still maybe like, you know, the collation was so bad that I'm still probably like 150 cards shy, but I love like leaping through that thing. And just recently um, I got like, um, I started getting some Cubs cards from like the stadium club sets. Cause I, I just love the photography. And I was kind of thinking about like, how do I enjoy these cards? And I'm like, duh, idiot, get a freaking binder, you know? So <laughs> I've been putting those cards in a binder and, it, and it's been great. And um, the one that I'm considering is, um, from Cousins Collectibles, Tony, he, he's he got his 1956 top set in a binder. And all of my commons right now are just like in, um, you know, card savers in a box. And like, I'm like, that's pretty lame. Like, I, I should I should do the binder thing. So that's a that's a project I think I might try to take on over over Christmas or something is kind of binderizing all of my um, like non graded and kind of less expensive cards. Very cool. And yeah, a couple other points on it. Um, Luke Bleecker Street Cards, if he's still in here, if if I recall correctly, he has some really cool binders too. I think he has, is it 2003 Tops Chrome Refractor, Black Refractors, I want to say, set um, raw. And I'm virtually certain that this one is really cool. I'm virtually certain he has a basketball. Ba is that bad? Yeah. Uh, um, I, th I think he has a raw binder of, yeah, Black Refractor 2003. Yeah, that's awesome. But then this other one, he has Ken Griffey Jr. cards depicting him with his hat backwards. Those are sick. That's so awesome. Um, so I wanted to give him a shout out because I know he's a big fan of this collecting approach as well. Um, JT says he's in to do, do it with us too. Um, and then Jonathan, um, Jackie's and Jordan's, I thought, had a really funny comment about his binder either yesterday or today. He said when his is done, he's planning to take it into a few LCSs as, you know, because they're, they're all raw. He's got like yeah. this incredible raw collection and just kind of play dumb and be like, hey, I just inherited this binder. <laughs> Any of these. <laughs> so I don't know. You might you might want to have a little fun with that at a couple LCSs. I love that comment. <laughs> And so, so Mookie's asking, I got to just answer this real Yay. quick. Uh, what nine non-Hall of Famers uh, make up those nine pockets? I'm not going to list them all. What, one, I didn't include Daryl Strawberry because I have a whole binder of him, but I had to include Eric Davis. I had to include 
uh, Canseco and McGuire. The, you know, Sheffield was one that snuck in with, with the awesome score rookie from late in the decade. Um, there, there were some that I that I uh, exclude. I, you know, you can't get them all in, and that was the fun of this. And I also wanted all, uh, all different cards from different sets. Uh, but I'll I'll just mention the the big one that I excluded was Mattingly. Uh, Mattingly did not make it on. He was probably number ten, and to the point of having to curate. You have to make tough choices. Ooh, Daddy <laughs> baseball. Got to get him in. Put him out the back. <laughs> I was I, I was a Mets fan. I you know I, like I was a hater. Fair enough. Yeah, and you don't have Daryl in there because he should be in the hall. Damn it, right? <laughs> 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 that's awesome man and i feel like um that's a topic where like we almost could do a whole show of like different ways you could go with that and different reasons i love that jonathan that that's fantastic matthew anything else on on this one or you feel so, like we should... yeah. yeah i think i th- think okay so i have a mail day that's kind of tied up in with mine so maybe we'll punt and then let's do some auction stuff and then um i'll I'll, at least the last thing i'll do is the maybe do my mail day and talk about that beautiful yeah that sounds great um so yeah we were going to just hit on a a few things that we had noticed in in uh, some of the recent auctions you know there's been a lot of stuff i don't know i feel like there's always a fair number of options happening at any given time but um rea and heritage in particular have have ended recently with some pretty big auctions and um you know i think one of the things we've talked about is that uh they're you know just and we've acknowledged this a lot but continued move toward high eye appeal cards and toward signed vintage and you know and those two categories continuing to kind of um, outperform, uh, you know, the, the other stuff on the vintage side. And so I thought there were, a uh, couple pretty strong sales that grabbed my attention in, in those, uh, those recent auctions. And then there was a, a really pretty interesting comparison last night, um, between two similar cards. So the, the couple strong ones were, um, at REA, there was a, 49 bowman satchel page which i know is a favorite of of all of ours and there was a psa3 that was a, a pretty strong eye appeal card but it went for six thousand, which i thought was just like a, a really strong price on that card and oh i didn't know that that's a really strong yeah. price on that card yeah i love that freaking card so much oh, yeah it's like top five or at most top like seven or eight card for me I, I i love it so i always watch that one pretty closely and it's it's tended to do you know pretty strong overall anyway that that one in particular caught my eye and then there was a um there was a 48 leaf jackie robinson psa3 uh last night that sold that we we were all talking about as it was talking at heritage and that one ended up going for a little over 22 grand which ah nice yeah <laughs> Be able to couldn't help i couldn't help i had to get i had to get mine out oh and you're so beautiful yeah mine's three. i didn't i didn't pay that much for it but i do really like my example quite a bit yeah but i'm just gonna let you keep talking and i'll just put this up because i love looking hard so keep going night, the one that went for six grand the other night so if if that's six years is 70 7.5 <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, the, this uh, 48 Leaf Jackie PSA 3 last night going for a little over 22 grand was one that that had some folks in the vintage yeah. community talk. They, they've been averaging about um, a little over 11,000 in PSA 3. So this one for about double 
the normal price. And the IPO was really high, but it wasn't like off the charts high. I didn't think it had great color and registration. The left, right was off. It was about 60, 40 left, right. Top bottom was a little closer, probably 55, 45. And it was nice condition, certainly, but, you know, not like a perfectly centered, like total showstopper and that somehow went for double. So it's interesting in these big auction houses, like they they really hit you on the fees, yeah. but sometimes you can get two guys that really want them and some crazy things will happen. That, that one reminded me, you know, sometimes they just go beyond any comps that like, I mean, be, even multiples. And it reminded me of when many of us were watching uh, 48 Leaf Ted Williams. This was several months ago. I think it was an SGC2. Yeah. And it sold for like, I want to say $24,000. And that, I mean, that's a card That's a card that would normally be a $2,000 card in high eye appeal. And everybody was like, what, you know, what was going on here? And the guy who bought it came out the next day on Instagram. He's like, I love it. I mean, it, what, we all agreed it was the most beautiful you know, version we'd ever seen of the card. But, so, you know, sometimes when something has eye appeal that just really at least gets two people to say, mm-hmm. I've got to have it, those prices can can run. The the um, the one I was, well, there were several at Heritage I was watching yesterday that made us all, I, and we were talking with July Tango Whiskey. He's like, man, our it's getting harder and harder to run our playbook of, you know, trying to like, sell higher grade cards that don't look as nice and pick up lower grade cards that look better because everybody seems to be doing it. Um, there was, uh, there was a, the green Gaudi Ruth, the, the one, the 181. I was, there was a 3.5 that I, I kind of had my eye on and it sold for over 18,000 yesterday at Heritage, which is more than what it, a, a decent four usually goes for. And then, and then there was this Yogi, Yogi Berra signed rookie uh, the one for, I, I think I've got it up here. It was over, it was over eleven thousand um, dollars. Yeah, it's thirteen. Yeah, it sold also for over thirteen thousand dollars. Assigned nineteen forty eight Bowman Yogi rookie, and I was looking at eBay comps. It's usually a two thousand dollar card. What? I mean, it was a pretty nice looking cap. I mean, there's one on eBay right now that's a buy it now for twenty four hundred. Um, and an authentic PSA slab. And so it just shows you there's something going on with high eye appeal vintage. And, and that one shows signed vintage is really hot as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the one other one last night that I thought was a, a really interesting comparison is that there, and we keep coming back to 48 leaf. I've been some interesting 48 leaf sales lately, but um, there were two Joe DiMaggio's. There was a PSA five and a PSA 5.5. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. And the, the five sold for 3,800 and the 5.5 sold for 2,900. So the five sold for $900 more. And it's definitely a nicer card. It's, you know, it's, it's quite a high eye appeal. It, you know, I wouldn't say super high eye appeal to five, but it, but it's, it's definitely high eye appeal. The 5.5, I think is on the lower eye appeal side for, for that grade. Well, one of the things that I thought was particularly interesting about that is there's often such a focus on the cert number when when buying PSA cards and the five that way outsold the 5.5. The cert starts with one seven, very old cert. The 5.5 is brand newly graded. The cert starts with seven, five, nine. So, you know, we we, some people say I'm only buying new certs, you know, like they 
they were way, you know, the standards are so much tougher. The cards are so much nicer, but you still got to look at the card. Like, and this, this is a really good example. This really old Cert 5 just clearly looks better than the brand new Cert 5.5. And, you know, by about 30% in price, it, it outsold it and, you know, kind of, kind of proved the point that we're, we're buying the card. And you know, you know, I I, I love um, I love PWCC. I love getting the IFL stickers. It's a lot of fun. It's sort of like getting an extra kind of grading in the in the hobby. Um, and I'm a fan of that. But what I've seen recently has led me to believe that the stickers are getting less important because people are getting educated. I think collectors are figuring it out. They're looking past just the cert number on this lab. They're looking past, you know, whether it has an MBA I appeal sticker, and they're really coming to their own conclusions. And, uh, you know, like I said before, it does make it harder to get good deals on beautiful looking low, lower graded cards. But it it's cool to see the way ultimately people are trusting their eyes more more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, that that's a great point, Jonathan. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like it used to be that um you know, you could get like a high eye appeal card for the same price as, as another card just based on the grade. And then it was kind of like you could use the cert number as as a little bit of a, a cheat to maybe sl- select out cards that had a little bit nicer grade. And the fact that you've got a situation where an older cert in a lower grade beat a newer cert in a higher grade just shows you that like the the hobby at least the people bidding on these cards are really like maturing as collectors and kind of seeing beyond they're they're able to aggregate the information that's the way that i would think about it you know there's an opinion here about what the grade is you know there's some information about what standards it was graded against but then people are using that as like you know some data but not it's not everything right and they're kind of like using their eyes to be like, you know, this is a card that really like speaks to me or I think it's really strong. And I I, I love seeing that because like, you know, one thing that we always talk about, you know, is the stuff kind of like buy the card, not the grade. I always think of it as, you know, 10 years from now, who, who knows what like grading even is, like what companies will be doing it. But, you know, the 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 holder may change, but the card, the card's not going to change. That's the thing that you're buying. Yeah. And that it's really cool. I mean, it's both cool and unfortunate that like we we are no longer able to kind of like squeeze in and get these awesome cards for like <laughs> the window slamming shot. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, should we uh should we transition into your mail day, Matthew? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So um yeah, my like rando topic thing was about um, you know, it's it's so much fun in this hobby to like to make make new friends and like you know get to know people and um and, and part of that is like you know being able to have the shared interest and in, in this kind of thing um and you know see what everybody else is collecting but one thing that i think you know people talk about it but i want to restate it is this the value in having like other people know what you collect and um and especially like if they have a card that you're super interested in like even if they love the card um you know there might come a day when they need to move it for one reason or, or another. And, you know, to, to, to have somebody that like knows that, that you love the card kind of gives you an opportunity sometimes to get card that, you know, otherwise would be really hard, really hard to find. And so, um, and I think we've all like kind of benefited from that in the past and in, in different ways. And, and, and I was particularly able to benefit from it this week. 
So um, at the National, um, Jonathan, you introduced me to Pat, right? He's a PLB cards. He's he's a really great guy. He's um, lives in Chicago. He's he's super fun. And and when he was at when I was at the National, um, he had had a card with him that he got from from Bleecker Street Cards that he was super excited about. And then he showed it to me when I was there, and I was like, I was it just like I was so excited about it because I just love so much about this card. It turns out that you know this week he ended up um, buying like a signed Will Chamberlain card that 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 he was super jazzed about because you know Will Chamberlain didn't sign many cards and it was the opportunity that he had to take and so then he put up you know some of his cards for sale. One of them was the card that I really wanted and I jumped on it and and I think that he got me- he told me he got messages from like tons of people about this card, um, but that like because I had both combination reached out to him early in after he posted it but also he knew how much i love the card because i saw it in person and so um i'm going to open it up right now um it just came it just came today so i'll try to do this quickly uh <laughs> and so I, you can show what the this card is so um yeah just arrived today from pat oh look at that he's a, he russian dolled it you know he kind of a true professional a good guy. yeah this is a cool card yeah this is gonna be a fun one so let's see, try to make my way through the wrapping. So you guys, here we go. All right, we're almost there. Last layer. Nicely packaged, painter's tape, smart. He was not in chill mode. It is very hard for me to see. So <laughs> that's a great point. So let's see, get a little bit of a, figure out which side of the front. It's All right. So it's cool that this card has been owned by three of our friends now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Here it is, 1974 Laughlin Old Time Negro League Stars Satchel Page with the on-card in-person autograph from the man himself. So I saw this card when when I when Pat showed me this and said that you know he had gotten it from Bleecker. I was like, I immediately was like, man, if there if there's a signed vintage card that that I need in my life, it's this one because. You guys know I'm such a nerd for like the Negro League stars. In fact, like this week I'm taking a trip to Kansas City. The reason I'm going to Kansas City is because I need to go to that Negro League baseball yeah. museum. Sweet. Um, so hopefully I'll see our friend Sean while I'm there. Um, Victory Investments. Um, and um, so so right, this is a set that came out in '74 that commemorated all of the the Negro League players. So there's a Gibson in the set. Um, there's like um there's a Buck Leonard and 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 I saw when Pat showed me this, I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. So it's you know, Satchel didn't live that much longer. I think he died in eighty-four. So he he died ten years after this card was produced. And there are not many so right, of course, Satchel doesn't have many cards, right? He's got kind of like the forty-nine Bowman that we just talked about. He's got the fifty-three tops, which is kind of his most common card. Then there's the 48 leaf, which is basically a ghost, right? Only superstars have that card. And then, um, and then there's some other random cards. And, and this is one of those other ones. And um, I think, I think in the PSA pop, there's something like nine, eight or nine of these cards signed by Satchel Page. And I'm just so stoked to own this, to, to think about like that Satchel Page, like held this in his hands at some point and signed it probably when he was telling lies at the gas station at the corner and then uh and then kansas city 
And um, this is just such a cool one. And yeah, the fact that, you know, it's a car that I got from Pat, who, who he, you know, really appreciated it. And it was a car that, you know, originated from um, from Bleecker Street Cards, just amazing signed signed vintage collection, just super happy to to have it in the in the collection so marty i'm gonna to have to check that out I actually don't know the details of the history of the set i've come so close to buying the set so many times um and then this thing is just oh man i'm just so stoked to have this it's so cool really really neat matthew taylor made for your collection man that's that's awesome that it's uh it's ended its journey i think for quite a while in in your hands in that that auto looks so nice too Super clean. Uh, that's that's a great card. I don't I don't know if you saw while you were sharing uh, signed uh, 1933 Gaudi said he has one as well. Yeah, it's it's super cool. So I'm just I'm just gonna be like soaking in this card, soaking in soaking in the history when I go this week. Um, it's gonna be it's so exciting. Just super jazzed about Matt, it. Do you, I I have a couple questions about your trip. Um, sure. First, yeah. First, uh. Are you bringing any cards with you to the museum? And second, are you are you trying to prearrange anything? And um, like, is Bob Kendrick around? Can you like message him and say I really want to meet you? Like, is there someone cool that can give you a tour? Like, what what's your approach to to going there? Uh, and if you cards, which ones are you bringing? Okay, so I, I'm not I'm not going to bring any cards, even though. Now I might, <laughs> you having suggested that, <laughs> yeah. like I might need to bring like that, that satchel so I can get a nice cool picture, like of me outside the museum yeah. um, with that card. Um, I, I, I've actually chatted with, with Bob a few times and I feel a little bit like intimidated. I mean, I might just ask him be like, Hey, I'm going to come by. It'd be really cool to meet you and just see what he says. But I am like a little bit like, um, I, I am a little bit shy. I mean, I'm a little bit like, I don't know if I'm cool enough to. I mean, um, I, I think to try, man, I think we'd appreciate you almost as much as you'd appreciate spending time there with him. You know, like, I don't know if he's around, I bet he'd really enjoy spending 30 or 40 minutes going around with you, you know? Yeah, I think I, I'm going to have to do that. I'll, I'll, I'll message him tonight. And, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, shoot, I do need to bring some cars because, you know, they have this like they have this like mini baseball field in there where there are statues at the different positions of kind of key Negro league players. And, you know, Satch is on the mound and I, I can't wait to see that, um, that Satch statue. And, um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to have, I'm going to go full nerd, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so I might as well do it. Right. Yeah. Shoot your shot, Matt. You show him Satch. Yeah. And I, I mean, um, I've, I've interacted with a few times and he's, he's super nice. And obviously he knows just like, he has a wealth of knowledge about about the Negro Leagues, and I'm particularly excited about seeing. There's this the picture they have there of of Hank Aaron when he's at the train station as a young man, like waiting to go um, join the Indianapolis Clowns, um, where he has got like basically all of his earthly possessions with him on him, and he just looks kind of like a nervous kind of kind of kid. That that piece in particular, I'm I'm really keen to see, and um, I'm just hoping that. I'm able to, you know, I'm probably going to want to spend like eight hours there. I don't know if I'll be able to spend eight hours there, but um, I'm I'm super jazzed about it, and um, yeah, can't wait. But that, but that's the extent of my planning so far. But you you definitely put some good ideas into my head. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've heard Bob talk about um, on the great podcast that you've you've introduced us to talk about that 
picture of Aaron as well. And how's he describe it? That Hank said that he had right all of his possessions, which was like one change of clothes and a ham sandwich that his mom had made him or something. <laughs> headed off to try to try to make a go of playing baseball. Ah, uh, yeah. that's great. Uh, so Luke at Bleecker Street Cards, he says that I think Satch is buried in Kansas City too. So that that might have to that would be really cool. You, you should do that. Yeah. Well, that's a great way to wrap up, Jonathan. Did did you have anything else before we call it a wrap? No. That- that was a great place to end. Uh, I'll just say I can't wait to hear about your trip to Kansas City, Matthew, because that's something I really want to do now, too. Ever since I've been listening to that Black Diamonds podcast, uh, every time I listen, I think I've got to get there. My dream is that a group of us will descend on Kansas City to do that. that now, that's a that's even a better idea. Can we have a national? Is there a big card show in Kansas City? <laughs> you know, my... My prediction would be that, okay, so so you know how Major League Baseball does that, like, uh, Field of Dreams game, right? And they did, they, they played those two games in Dyersville, Iowa at the, yeah. the Field of Dreams, or at the, um yeah, Field of Dreams field. So next year, they're playing a game in Birmingham at where, like, the Birmingham Black Barons used to play. Mm. Um, so playing a Major League Baseball game there, and my hope is... They eventually, you know, will will do one of those games um, at one of at the Negro League field in Kansas City, or or something like that. I feel like either they have a card show there, or they have some event like that there. It would be really cool to to get all of us to go. That would be really fun. Absolutely, yeah. All right. Well, it was a lot of fun, fellas, and thanks so much to everyone who's uh, who's been spending time with us in here tonight and contributing and asking great questions. Awesome hanging out with you guys and. Everyone in the chat enjoyed it. This was a blast. All right, cool. And definitely hit us up if you've got like some feedback about, you know, should we move to YouTube? Should we try to podcast this thing? I don't know. You know, we don't know what we're doing, so we need help. (laughs) All right. Take care. Catch you guys. Bye. This has been a production of Rough Cuts. We'll see you next time.